I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today, I have Technical Sergeant Melanie Velez, who is originally from Chicago, Illinois. She is a 30-year-old Air Force medic currently stationed in Florida. During her 12-year career in the military, Melanie has been deployed to Afghanistan and Qatar. Her notable military awards include an Air Force Commendation Medal, a Joint Services and Air Force Achievement Medal, an Air Force Good Conduct Medal, a National Defense Service Medal, an Air Force Expeditionary service ribbon and a NATO medal. In addition to her military service, she thoroughly enjoys hunting for deer every chance she gets, as well as floating down the river on a boat fishing in South Carolina, hence the nickname Redneck Rican. I love that. Welcome, welcome to the Courageous Podcast today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a this is new. <laughs> <laughs> it's an experience. It's something. <laughs> well, I have to tell a little story, you know, about Melanie. We know each other very well. She's actually part of my family and through my husband. She's my husband's cousin. And it's just really been a pleasure to see her grow up. And so she was a flower girl in my wedding. And it's been amazing to see her journey. And I'm super, super proud of her. And so when I thought about highlighting a woman in the military, um, last week I had Carlos Evans, who was also in the military, who lost both legs and an arm uh, while he was in Afghanistan. I wanted to highlight another woman to just encourage young women or women that are in the military right now. And so the first person that came to my head was, wait a minute, I have Melanie that I could highlight. And so I'm super excited. And today is actually November 10th. So tomorrow is November 11th and it's Veterans Day. And so I want to take a moment to thank all the veterans, past, present, and future for all your sacrifice and the service that you have given to this country. And so I thank you. And so Mel, you joined the military when you were 18 years old. We were totally freaking out, Rob and I, when you joined the military. And I know that you've had an amazing career, but it hasn't always been that easy being a woman in the military. And so tell me a little bit about the early years of your career and the challenges that you faced as a woman in the military. I think everyone was kind of freaked out when uh, I decided that I was going to join the military. So the early years of my career, I joined back in February of 2009. And the first couple of years were basically just training and getting to learn my job and really didn't feel any different. Like I was being treated differently as a woman then. In 2013, October of 2013 was when I deployed for the first time. So the first couple months there were obviously difficult, just trying to adjust, trying to get used to the different time zone. Because I mean, we were half a day ahead, getting mm-hmm. used to the weather, getting used to being that far from home. Right. You know, I had already been in South Carolina at that point for four years, you know, being a city girl and moving to the country. That was mm-hmm. an adjustment in itself. And now, fast forward, I'm in a country that, uh, you know, isn't known for being respectful towards women and, you know, getting used to the food. I was always sick because of the food. My body wasn't used to it. Not being able to take showers with clean water. I mean, I, I am grateful we had running water, mm-hmm. but the water wasn't very clean and they didn't make you feel good. 
Mm. And then just not having reliable access to the internet to be able to stay connected with my family, my friends back home. And then not only that, but at this point, I was one of three women in a unit that was majority men. So that kind of started to make things not necessarily uncomfortable, but there wasn't that many people to relate to. So shortly after that, you said that there was one particular guy that began to harass you. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I want to say it was around November, uh, close to Thanksgiving time, close to the holidays. Uh, there was one one particular guy who began to harass me. He liked me. He had a little crush and I wasn't interested. He didn't take that very well. He started to take pictures of me while I was out with my friends. He posted them to his social media saying that we were engaged. That still gets me. He was just constantly sending me messages, trying to get me to go out to eat with him, hang out with him, basically let him be my boyfriend. He wanted to give me gifts. I didn't accept, of course. The one thing, too, that kills me was when he asked me to work in the strip club that he was planning to open. I thought he was joking. You know, I thought he was just being a guy, just making funny conversations. But it turns out he was actually pretty serious about that. So in the beginning, you're kind of laughing it off, right? Because I'm sure that it feels uncomfortable. You're thinking like, yeah, I'm sure he's joking. And sometimes as women, we think it's harmless. You know what I mean? He's just joking around. I can handle it. All this time, I mean, it sounds like you're taking in a lot while you're on deployment. As we've all seen that even this past year, you know, it's, it's very difficult for men and women in the military. And many times, you know, soldiers are afraid to file complaints. Did you tell anybody at this point? It's crazy that even now, you know, in this day and age, we're still having trouble with service members being able to file a complaint because they're not comfortable with it. Back then, you know, I thought he was joking, just messing around, just being a guy and tough skin, get over it, deal with it, whatever, no big deal. But um, I really didn't have to tell anyone because he made it really obvious. He spoke to everyone and made it very clear that he was interested and one way or another, I was going to be his. So basically, without him realizing it, he's establishing witnesses, which in your case was a good thing. And so you said that he couldn't accept it and that he started to spread rumors. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so he couldn't accept the fact that I I just was not interested in him. He kept trying and kept trying and kept trying no matter how much I told him, dude, this isn't going to happen. Get it out of your head. Mm -hmm. So at that point, he stopped trying to be my friend and he started to spread rumors about me. He started saying that I was sleeping with not just guys in the unit, that I was sleeping around, but he was going as far as leadership, you know, supervision, Mm -hmm. the officers that worked with us. And he just was constantly complaining to other members in our unit, complaining about me, trying to get me in trouble. He even went as far as going to our first sergeant pretty much daily to complain about me. He was always looking for ways to get me in trouble. But then shortly after would message me like, hey, you want to go get something to eat? No, dude, I, I don't. That makes no sense. He's giving you a hard time. He's talking about you. And then he's acting like everything's okay. I mean, he sounds a little unstable. Why didn't you just stop talking to him when this happens? You know, when you have anybody harassing you or stalking you, not just in the military, but in general, people are like, oh, well, you know, why did you talk to him? Why didn't you just stay away? Why didn't you know, they always want to make it seem like it's our fault. It's the woman's fault. Right. Why didn't you stop talking or communicating with him? 
That's a good question. So given the job that we were doing, I mean, we're both in the military, we're both deployed, we're there to do a job. I can't just block you because you like me and I don't like you. I can't just not speak to you. We have a job to do. We have a mission to carry out and we are going to do just that. I'm a professional. I can keep things professional. Well, at the beginning of the day, I'm there to do a job. And at the end of the day, I will do my job. The messages, the comments he'd make to people, you know, whoever would listen to him. I just, I didn't care. You do you. It, it is what it is, but we have a job to do and it's going to get done. As far as the messages, I, I stopped entertaining it, but work-wise, I had to speak to him. If I could avoid it, I, I avoided it. I mean, that's like no real way to function in any workplace, right. but I love how you are so committed to your job and to serving this country and doing whatever you have to do to be a professional. And I'm sure tons and tons of people in the military can definitely relate and attest to that. But I wanted to ask you, did anybody even bother to take the time to look into this or to even ask you know, what your side of the story was? So... My supervisor at the time, we spoke about it and he tried to get me the military's version of a restraining order, which is a no contact order. And the first sergeant denied it. He denied it because at this point, this guy had been going to his office almost daily to complain about me. So in the first sergeant's eyes, all he ever saw was me happy, me smiling, having a good time. In his mind, I was flirting. But as he said, you're a medic. I know how you medics are. He knew about it. And all he did was basically tell me that he and I needed to fix our problems or he would fix it for us, implying that, you know, we'd basically get in trouble or I would get in trouble as if I was the one that was doing something wrong. In the beginning, he never actually took the time to sit down with me and find out my side of the story. He just took this guy's side and ran with it. And as you said, I mean, that's sad that in 2020, in the military, women are still faced with these same challenges and same struggles. And so after coping with this for so many months, what was it that finally broke for you that said, hey, I'm tired of this and I'm not going to deal with this anymore and I'm going to file a complaint? So for me, um, was the whole him taking pictures of me and posting it to his social media saying that we were engaged. That just blew my mind. I mean, I can't tell you the circumstances around that day if I was already in a bad mood or if it was just one of those days and that was the icing on the cake. I just right. remember when my friends sat me down and they were like, hey, you need to see this. And they showed it to me. We were actually at the chow hall getting something to eat. I didn't even finish my food. I left my tray right there on the table. I stood up and I went right to the office to go find my boss. And when I went in there, the guy was just sitting there and I exchanged some words. That was when my supervisor pulled me in the office and he said, listen, I tried with the first sergeant. It didn't work. And he handed me a folder of about, I don't know, 15 or 20 different memorandums, different statements from different people throughout our unit, throughout, mm -hmm. because we also worked hand in hand with security forces, with the, the police. He had statements from all of them, things that they had witnessed and conversations that they had had with this guy. And he told me to go to the Equal Opportunity Office and the um, Sexual Assault Harassment Office. And I did. I went in there. I, you know, he didn't have an appointment or anything. It was just kind of one of those things you just show up to. Mm -hmm. And when I walked in, I walked in with two of my friends. Uh, one was one of the other females there was only three of us in the whole unit and um it was her and then one of the guys we walked in there and the lady looked at my name tape on my my shirt it says my mm -hmm. name 
And she says, Velez, I know who you are. This guy had went over there and complained about me too. So I told her, you know, listen, I'm not even going to give you my side of the story. Mm -hmm. I said, here's about 20 different statements from different individuals. Mm -hmm. Here are printouts from his social media where he said that we were engaged. Here's the evidence. I don't even need to speak. And she was just completely like dumbfounded. She couldn't believe what she was looking at. So that, I mean, that at least was probably the first time that it validated what you went through and what you were experiencing, thankfully, because of the people in your unit and your friends and that support that you had. I know that you had said that your sergeant, once they saw all of those statements, that he apologized. So after I went to the the Equal Opportunity Office and spoke to them, I got called back to my unit, to the first sergeant, and he let me have it. He was really upset that I went over his head. Mm-hmm. That's how he took it. He took it as, as if I went over his head. Well, I tried to follow my chain of command. I went to my supervisor. My supervisor went to the first sergeant. The first sergeant didn't want to hear it. So in the first sergeant's eyes, you know, oh, well, you're, you're the only single female here. You're a medic. I know how medics are, you know, insinuating that because I'm the only single person here, because I'm a medic, that I am just easy. Right. And once I handed him my statement of everything that happened, as well as all the statements from the other individuals and what was on this guy's social media pages, he looked up at me and he apologized. I don't know. It, even to this day, it just I, I still don't feel like it was genuine. Mm. I can tell that it totally changed his mindset of the whole situation. It, to me, it just wasn't heartfelt. It wasn't genuine. But at this point, the guy, he did stop because this is when they finally issued that no contact order that I had asked for a month and a half prior. Finally issued it, but they issued it to both of us. So he couldn't talk to me. I couldn't talk to him. It it is what it is. I, I was basically punished for it, too. I might not have gotten actual paperwork, but in a way I did. You know, because right. now the position that I was in, I was in a leadership position. Now I'm not necessarily getting demoted, but I'm taken out of that position because, you know, being a leader, you have to be able to communicate with everyone. Mm-hmm. Legally, I cannot communicate with this guy. So because he did the wrong thing, he didn't stop. Now I'm getting knocked down from my job. And that is still happening today, unfortunately, not just in the military, but in the workplace, you know, anywhere that we go, those things are still happening. And it's such a shame that there hasn't been the type of change that we need to see in this world right now when it comes to equality and women and respect. And it's so important and so needed, especially for the next generation. So Melanie, I mean, obviously, this was really difficult What was your motivation to push through all of this adversity? Honestly, I would have to say it was the circle of friends that I had. We were pretty much always together as far as, you know, outside of work. They were always there for me. You know, they had my back. They made sure I was safe. They would walk me to my room. You know, whenever we'd go out to eat or go work out, they would walk me to my my building, make sure I got in my room okay. If it wasn't for them, there's no telling what could have happened. You know, they were always there when I started to try to shut everybody out because at that point, you know, the whole, oh, I know how you medics are and you're always all smiles. Well, I stopped smiling. I stopped Mm -hmm. hanging out. I stopped doing things. I would just go to work, do my job and just hang out in my room. That was it. But luckily, one of the friends that was with me was actually my roommate and she was always there. She was always there. The guys were always there and they helped me snap out of it and got back into doing the things that you do to help pass your your time while you're deployed. And then shortly after, um, when I started to 
come back to and, and, and not let the comments from the first sergeant and just the way this guy was going around talking about me. And anytime I talk to somebody like, oh, you're, you're Mel, you're Velez. Okay. So you're the one mm-hmm. that this guy doesn't stop talking about. That's me. I'm that person. But once the, um, the new first sergeant came, she was a, uh, a woman. Once she came and, and got into the swing of things and yeah, I never approached her. I never, like, it, it was what it was at this point. You know, he stopped messaging. He stopped trying to talk to me mm-hmm. because he didn't have a choice. He literally right. had a piece of paper that said he couldn't. So at this point, he stopped. The new first sergeant got involved because she wanted to know what all was going on. She reevaluated the entire situation and saw my side of it. She asked me to come to her office and she actually wanted to hear my side. When she apologized for my leadership and their lack of involvement and their lack of taking care of me, because, you know, as a first sergeant, as a commander, that is your job. You take care of the people. People take care of the mission. And I was taking care of the mission. I was doing my part, but leadership wasn't doing their part. And when she got there and and actually, like I said, reevaluated the situation and and talked to me about it, I was like, wow, somebody actually does care. Hmm. This is nice. This That's is different. Awesome. I'm not I'm not one of those people that really gets into my feelings, but that was uh okay, this feels kind of warm and fuzzy. <laughs> right. Right. Finally, finally somebody came alongside you and said, Hey, I hear what you're saying and I'm gonna do something about this. And I'm so glad that she was there to give you that support, you know, and that it wasn't too late for yeah. you to see that what you went through was difficult and that it was true. And thankfully, this person, not really having much choice, eventually left you alone. And so looking back, is there anything that you would have done different on this journey, Melanie? Yes. When I got there, I had just put on the rank of staff sergeant in the Air Force at the E-5. And so when I got there, I was in kind of sort of a, a leadership position. And I was new to that rank. I'd only been wearing that rank for a couple months. So I was still in the wrong mindset as far as my rank and, and what I can and can't say as far as we're talking to leadership. And the one thing that I would have done different was I would have actually, instead of just keeping my mouth shut when the first sergeant talked to me, which is surprising for me, I'm, I'm not normally one to bite my tongue and just, you know, <laughs> shut up and color. I'm right. <laughs> I wonder where you get that from. <laughs> Oh, you know, they say that the kids are the best and worst versions of their parents, right? <laughs> well, uh, I'm definitely my my mother's daughter and definitely my father's daughter. Like, there's I, no denying it. <laughs> I love it. But, um, but yeah, I'm I'm really shocked with myself now looking back that I wasn't as adam- animated as I typically would have been in, in any situation. But I guess it, it I was just stunned that. For the first time, a first sergeant's not actually doing his job. He's not listening to both sides of the story. He's just taking what this one individual is feeding him and taking it out on me without right. like, hey, what's what's going on? And he's letting, you know, those biases that he has towards whatever medics he's dealt with in the past affect how he handles this medic in this situation. So I definitely should have and wish I would have fought back a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um or at least just went above him sooner right. instead of just letting it like throw it on the back burner and just keep going. Just whatever. Right. Just moving on. Well, one thing you said is that you were trying to give certain people the benefit of the doubt. And I think that's great. But 
even though you feel like you should have done more or you could have done more, thankfully now looking back, it's a lesson and you can definitely do things differently in the future and not just with this, but with anything in your life. And so, you know, I wanted to just switch gears and shed some light on a story that truly impacted our country earlier this year in April 2020. The story of Vanessa Guillang, who was a 20-year-old U.S. Army soldier who was unfortunately murdered in Fort Hood, Texas by another soldier. And although, you know, there had been many complaints against this guy by other women, unfortunately, they were dismissed. And she had told her family, but asked them to kind of stay out of it as she thought that she could handle it. And so I wanted to get your perspective after being somebody that went through something like this. What was your first thought when you heard this story? When I first heard this story, I was just sad. I mean, it's sad that it's, 2020. And even now we're still dealing with this and not just the military, but as a society overall, one thing that that really stood out was, you know, that could have been me. Hmm. And, you know, I I didn't mention this earlier, but it wasn't until probably six months later that uh, I received some video footage of some of the things this guy was saying about me and just seeing like actually seeing how unstable he really Hmm. was. It just it's mind blowing because like I said, it, it could have been me. You know, there was a time where I was in the in the laundry room by myself, no weapons because I was in PT gear. I was going to go work out and I was throwing my laundry in and he wasn't supposed to be near me. If he saw me, he was supposed to walk the other way. Mm-hmm. That was what the no contact order was. Don't talk to me. Don't be near me. Stay away. And he walked right in. And if it wasn't for my friends that were outside waiting for me, Mm-hmm. and walked in and like cut him off like got in front and in front and in between and I was like what are you doing why are you in here why are you near her get out now mm-hmm. you know it could have been me who knows what would have happened if I would have been in there by myself who That's knows right. you know if he would have caught me somewhere else by myself mm-hmm. if he would have tried something if he would have done something I don't know I don't thankfully thankfully nothing else happened. And I hope that women that are listening to your story, young girls, any young girls, you know, going to the military, that it doesn't deter them from going to the military if that's their dream and that's what they want to do. But it just helps them to be aware of what's going on, what their surroundings are, and really what their rights are as soldiers in the military. And so I know you could have shared any part of your story. And I didn't even know that you had even been through this, you know? And so why did you think it was important to share this part of your story today? Honestly, like I said earlier, I'm not about feelings and sharing and things like that. That's that's just never really been me. But this is that my story. This is something that happened to me while I was deployed. And, you know, with Veterans Day and just thinking back on, on my career, you know, this is something that didn't just happen to me. It's happened to men and women. It happens all the time. Military, mm-hmm. civilian, all the time. It's sad that we're still dealing with this. Uh, you would think that by now society would have it together, but I guess That's all we right. can do is pray. Just keep yes. praying, right? Yes. Um, I hope that they realize that no really does mean no, and it's not a permission slip to keep trying and stalk and, and harass people. It's just it's wrong. That's not how you do things. If, if someone's not interested, cool, thanks. Have a good life. Bye. Don't do this. It's not healthy for anyone. That's right. You know, Mel, as I hear you talking, you know, if there's a young girl out there 
just like you, 18, 19 in the military, thinking about going to the military, or she's been there for a few years already, and and maybe she's experienced something like this, something different, but felt like she didn't belong, nobody believed her, she didn't have the support that she needed as she was dealing with some type of harassment or any type of stalking, you know, what would you say to her right now to encourage her? I would say to fight, fight from the beginning. Don't wait like I did. Fight from the start. Don't just give up because someone doesn't believe you or they want to blame you and say things like I was told, you know, I know how you medics are. It's one thing if you're feeding into it, correct your behavior if you are. If you're not, fight, stand up for yourself. Don't just give up because they want to put the blame on you because it's easier to blame you until you just deal with it than it is to handle the person that's in the wrong. You know, there's resources out there just because you're in the military, just because you're a woman in the military or a man in the military doesn't mean that this is going to happen to you. You know, it, it happens. Yes, but it's not guaranteed. But if it does do something about it, say something. If you see it, report it. You know, we, we have these trainings annually and we have the training because it keeps happening. Hmm. So if you see something, say something. If something's happening to you, remove yourself from the environment and do what you have to do to stand up for yourself. Because at the end of the day, the only person that's going to be there for you is you. Mm, that's awesome. Wow, Melanie, that's really great advice. And I can hear you speaking truly from your heart. And I'm so glad that you stepped out because, like you said, you're not a person that really shares or talks about feelings and things like that. And that's okay. But I'm so glad that God really pushed you and encouraged you to say, hey, this is an important story about my life and I need to share it because I want to impact other young girls, other young women to stand up and fight for themselves. And so before we go, I wanted to ask you, you know, what does life look like today for Melanie Velez? <laughs> You're asking me to share more. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of growth and, you know, part of yeah. opening up. So let's see. Um, I'm about to hit 12 years in the military, which is absolutely, it just sounds outrageous to say it, to think it, but I'm getting close to retirement. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm living in Florida now and hopefully it will be promoted soon. We'll see what happens with that early next year. But I basically, I work, I go to the beach when I can. I When it's hunting season, I go hunt, I go fish, I enjoy myself. I've got my Siberian Huskies and they keep me very busy. I wish I could like flash a picture on this podcast of them because <laughs> they're just, they're just so cute. Your babies. <laughs> My babies or show like a picture of uh, the biggest deer I killed, but I don't know if people would want to see that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just think. I just think it's really cool that you are out there hunting and killing deers, which I, again, I never thought that you would do that either, but I never I love thought it. that I would do that. Hey. I'm a, I, as a city girl from Chicago and now I'm a <laughs> redneck weekend. Hey, ladies, girls, we can do anything. Okay. Yes, yes. That's what Melanie is trying to tell us in her courageous story. And so Melanie, I want to thank you. Thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast today. I pray continued blessings over your life, over your family, over the journey that God is calling you to be on. I know that this has been a difficult journey for you, but it does not 
minimize all of your success and all of the amazing accomplishments that you've had over the past 12 years. And I pray that this story has blessed and touched someone today. And if you want to connect with Melanie, please reach out to me on Facebook at Courageous 2020 or on IG at Courageous underscore podcast. And I'll be happy to connect you with her. And so Mel, I thank you. And please, continue to share your feelings, but also share your story. Hey, Courageous community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.